Good morning, church family. Can I say Happy New Year to you? So glad that you are here on the first day of 2023 to ring in the new year. Can you stand to your feet? I hope that the 2022 was good to you. Uh, if not, you know, I feel like this is a new beginning and living a life with Christ, it's all about new beginnings. Amen. Can we just worship the Lord today? Can we pray real quick and ask him to be in this place? God, we ask you to just fill this place, Lord, with your presence today. Lord, we ask you to be with every person, Lord. We don't know what walk we come from as we come into this place, God, but we know that you are alive, you are well, and that you are still working in your people, Father. And as we sing, Lord, let our hearts be filled with the joy of the Lord with your presence today. We give you praise. Everyone said, amen. what he started he holds the world within his hands my God delivers all the promise nothing's greater than him my God will break down every stronghold and Jericho walls will stand a chance my God can conquer any giant. Nothing's greater than Him. Nothing's greater than Him. Sing it out. The victory is yours. Though the battle ain't over. The glory is yours. Amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God is not finished yet. My God is with me every moment. No power's hell can hold him down. My God turns death to resurrection. Nothing's greater than him. Nothing's greater than him. Victory's yours. Victory's yours. Though the battle ain't over. And glory is yours. Amen. So 
church good morning good morning good morning hello there we go i don't know there we go no Before we talk about communion, a couple of things I'm going to bring up. First, if you maybe were snowed in or cold in all last week, you didn't give a chance to give your together offering. We still have the red envelopes around the room. Um, also, if you bought a poinsettia, please take it. Uh, they, they, if they're still here this afternoon, we're going to be giving them away. So uh, just let that just kind of sink in there. This week I was um, reading in Joshua chapter 6 and kind of talked about the song we just sang this morning. The angel of the Lord came to Joshua and told Joshua, I want you to take the priests and and the people of the Lord and I want you to circle around Jericho one time for the next six days. Then on the seventh day, we want you to go and march around it seven times and blow your trumpets and the walls will come falling down. Well, some of you might read that and thought, oh, that's no big deal. Joshua probably didn't think twice about that. No, I probably think he thought the angel was crazy. Because you imagine going to a military general today and saying, you know, just get out of your tanks, you know, get out of your Bradley fighting vehicles. Don't worry about the airplane. Just, just, just march around this city and seven times and then it'll, it'll just fall over for us. Well, I hate to tell you this, but as we go into the new year, at some point this year, you're going to have a Jericho moment. You're going to have some kind of battle you're going to have to fight. Sometimes when God tells us to do things, they don't make sense. They didn't make sense to Joshua, but he did it anyway. Have you ever noticed how God's plans seem to be so far out that they don't make sense to us? All you need to do is listen to the voice of God Do what he tells you to do, and he will get you through every battle that you have to fight this year. Let's pray together. Father God, as we just come this morning, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall. Father, that you would anoint, you would just anoint this place with your Holy Spirit. It would just fall on Brother Jones as he comes this morning to preach and give God's word and Lord, I pray for the worship team and just ask you to just continue to anoint them as they lead us through worship. And Lord, as we take times going to these little communion stations and taking our little bread and our little cup, Father, may be reminded of the great sacrifice that you gave of your son. For the plan of Jesus didn't sound right to anyone in that day, that he would have to die and raise again. 
Yet your plans are so awesome and so above anything we can think of. I just pray this morning we'll be reminded of the great sacrifice of your son. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
stone was moved for good For the Lamb that conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born In the Spirit in the flame Now this gospel's Oh, 
Again, I think maybe I told you last year, besides the churches where I have served on staff, I have preached at Shelby Christian more than any other place. And it's like a second home in a lot of ways, and I love being here. And man, it is, it is New Year's Day, and you could have come to church at 11 o'clock, and you came at 9.30. I'm guessing you had a boring New Year's Eve. That's all I can assume. Okay. I'm betting more of you are going to be awake during this service than the jokers who come at 11. Okay. I'm, it's just a guess. We'll, uh, we'll see when the time comes. Listen, have you guys ever heard of nurse logs? Sometimes in an old growth forest, you'll be walking along and you'll see a row of trees in a straight line. And you would think somebody must have planted trees like that to get them to all grow in a straight line that way. But it actually can happen naturally. What happens is that when a large tree falls in the forest, it leaves kind of a gaping canopy in the, in the branches above. Now, does it make a sound when it falls in the forest? 
depends on who's there to hear it, right? Which kind of makes me think if a dad speaks in the forest and his teenager isn't there to hear him, is he still wrong? Okay, I don't know. Nurse logs, that's where we are. A large tree falls in the forest and the, the trunk begins to rot and sunlight comes down into the forest that really has been blocked out maybe for decades and seedlings will often begin to spring up in the decomposing wood. And then the nutrients of that dying tree will begin to feed the next generation of trees and they grow sturdy and tall. Now, now don't miss this because here's the point. They draw strength from the life that preceded them. The younger trees actually replace their dominant ancestors. And on this New Year's Day, I want you to think about your life. See, we have the opportunity to to plant more trees. In this case, a metaphor for making disciples of Christ. We actually have the opportunity to build into the next generation. We can model godly character for them. We can leave behind a legacy of faith and of integrity and of becoming more and more like Christ. And like those nurse logs, we can actually create a foundation for those who follow in our footsteps. Man, that's what I want my life to do, don't you? To not only influence friends and family here, but to actually build into generations that are to come. I've got a granddaughter due in March, and I want to give her a foundation that she can build on, or he can build on. I preached a series this past summer back at our church in Bardstown called Thrive, and it was about pursuing the life you've always wanted. We talked about how to grow healthy and strong in our walk with Christ. See, the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, often compares faithful, healthy Christians or followers of God to strong and healthy trees. Isaiah 61.3 says the people of God are like oaks of righteousness. Psalm 1 says that those who avoid sin, those who delight in God's laws are like trees that stand firm and bear lots of fruit. And then Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Strong and healthy believers are like strong and healthy trees. And so in that series, we talked about the roots. That roots are primarily for stability and for nutrition. And the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2 that our roots need to grow down into Christ so that we can be built up in Christ. In the second week, we talked about the trunk of the tree. The trunk is that direct line of nutrition from the bottom to the top. It's the key to growth and strength in a tree and spiritual disciplines in our lives like prayer and like Bible study and like worship. Those things help us grow stronger as we mature. Now, the third week, we talked about the branches. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. (laughs) See, we branch out from him. We do his work wherever we go. We are like his outstretched arms. We are his reach into the community and then by extension all the way out around the world. We talked about fruit. 
in this series about trees. The Apostle Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When the Holy Spirit is in us as followers of God, he does his work to transform us. Now look, every day may not be better than the day before, but we ought to be growing in our faith, growing in these traits as the Holy Spirit works in us. If you look back, if you're a follower of God and you look back five years, 10 years, 50 or 60 years and nothing really has changed in your life, man, there's a problem. We ought to be growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so a healthy tree has healthy roots, healthy trunk, healthy branches, and there's the fruit. But on this dawn of a new year, I want to talk to you about seeds. I want to talk to you about planting seeds, generating new believers. Listen to how the Apostle Paul begins chapter 3 of the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I could not talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? It's kind of a rough start to what he has to say. He said, listen up. You guys have been Christians long enough. You should look different from the world, but you don't. You ought to be living more like Jesus, but you aren't. You should be defeating your sinful nature, but you can't. And you ought to be acting like adults, but you just won't. And the church in Corinth was not thriving. In fact, when Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, much of the book was an indictment against their spiritual immaturity. And part of the problem was pride and division. Listen to what he says in verse 4. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Now, there's a lot here about spiritual immaturity and about divisiveness. Some people came to Christ under Paul's preaching. Some people were growing stronger under Apollos' preaching. And now people are choosing sides when there's absolutely no reason to choose sides because it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's about Jesus Christ. You know, your church allows me this privilege pretty much every year after Christmas to, uh, to preach here. I've done it year after year. And I, I maybe mentioned to you before, several years ago, a lady came to me and I guess she's from out of town and she visits family here at Christmas. She said, I've been to this church four times. You've been the one preaching here every time. <laughs> and, and you imagine here in your church, somebody says, Hey, I follow Dave. And somebody else says, well, I follow Jason. Somebody else, you know, maybe says, I follow Bobby, or I follow Brad, or I follow Dennis. And this lady comes along, she says, I follow Mark. And you're like, who the heck's Mark? You know, I don't even know we had a Mark. And and, and it's like, what what a dumb argument, or or what 
what an insignificant thing to divide about because we're not choosing sides at church. Sure, there are ministers, and you might be closer to one than another. There are elders here, but Christ is the head of the church. He's the one we are all together following. And this is crucial to understand. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to show you in these verses is specifically what Paul wrote in verses 6 and 7. He said, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So there it is. We plant seeds. We water seeds and then God makes those seeds grow. In the end, it's all his doing. It's all for his glory. And yet he decided in his infinite wisdom that he wanted you and he wanted me to be part of the process. That we get to plant seeds. That we get to water seeds. We don't get extra credit for it. We aren't heroes in the story. We just get to join God in this process. So I just want to ask you a really important question. Did you plant a single seed in 2022 And what's your plan for 2023? Are you involved in this process? Are we working the ground like Paul and watering like Apollos? Are we helping those young plants to be nurtured and to grow? I heard a preacher at the North American Christian Convention several years ago, and he said he had a friend who was an attorney, and he invited this guy to church over and over and over again. The guy never would come. And finally, one morning, just out of the blue, this attorney shows up at church, kind of came in right when church was about to start, having trouble finding a seat, ended up down front, sat next to this guy in their church who was kind of mentally challenged. And so the the preacher sort of paying attention to his friend who's there and during the decision song He notices his friend and this young man whispering back and forth to each other And all of a sudden his attorney friend gets up and just kind of storms out And man, he is so frustrated He tried so long worked so hard to get this guy to come to church and the guy for some reason just walked right out at the end The next sunday the guy came back and at the end of the service he came forward and gave his life to christ And the preacher said to him, man, what happened? He said, well, preacher, I hate to tell you, it was not your sermon. He said, last Sunday, I was sitting next to this young man. And at the end of the service, he looked over at me and he said, do you want to go to heaven when you die? And I was kind of taken aback by that, maybe a little bit uncomfortable. I said, no. And he said, well, go to hell then. (laughs) He said, that bothered me all week. So here I am. I'm not sure that's the best way to plant seeds, but you can't argue with the results. At least he was aware, you know? Remember how Jesus told the story about the parable of the sower? He said this farmer goes out to sow seed, and this guy is crazy. He plants seed everywhere. He sows seed on the path where it doesn't have a chance. And he sows seed in kind of weedy areas where it gets choked out. And he sows seed in areas where the soil's so thin it can't possibly have deep enough roots. And then he sows some seed on good soil and it sprouts up and then it creates a crop. 
And the main point of the story is that different people are going to receive the gospel differently. For some, it'll be good news and life transforming. For others, not so much. But what I see here for us this morning is you got to admire this sower. Man, he plants seed everywhere. He doesn't look at ground and say, I don't, I don't think that's going to be good fertile ground. I'm not going to waste seed there. I'm not going to do it over there. I'm only going to do it in the places where I think it's going to be productive. No, 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 no. He just, man, he just scatters the seed everywhere. He doesn't let bad soil discourage him. And so it just kind of makes me wonder, how do we do this? If we decide in 2023, I'm going to plant some seeds. What does that even look like? How do we connect with people who are not yet followers of Jesus? I just want to give you some suggestions. And you won't remember them all, but maybe one of them will stick in your mind. First thing I want to say is move out of your comfort zone. The easiest thing in the world to do is to hang out with people who are just like you. They look like you. They talk like you. They believe like you. They vote like you. And it's why people who've been Christians for a long time often settle into a lifestyle where all their friends are Christians. The best people at outreach are often new believers because they know so many people who aren't believers. But friends, listen. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to help us stay strong. Absolutely we do. But if we alienate ourselves from everybody on the outside, and pretty soon we realize that we don't have any kind of friendships with anybody who aren't followers of Jesus, how can we possibly have impact in this world? I had a doctor one time in another city, and his name was a very distinct Muslim name. He did not sound like a guy who grew up redheaded, you know, white kid in central Kentucky going to Sunday school every week. Just just didn't kind of come across that way. But the thing is, I really liked this guy. Not only was he a great doctor, he was just a great guy. And I thought, I'd like to hang out with him. I wonder if any of his patients ever take him to lunch. So I said, hey, can I take you to lunch? And we went to lunch together. And, And I didn't whack him upside the head with the Bible. We didn't have any big debate. I don't know that I had a lot of impact. But I I hope I planted a a few seeds. He knows I'm a pastor. And and I wanted to know, how does a guy grow up in Palestine and end up in the United States? And I left the door open for some future dialogue. And this isn't one of those stories where I ended up baptizing the guy into Jesus. I'm just saying I wasn't freaked out that this guy was a Muslim. We have to get out of our comfort zone and not just hang around people who are just like us. Listen, knowing what I know... And believing what I believe, even though I didn't set out to make this guy just like me, it would be unconscionable of me to not want him to follow Jesus. The world tells you today, well, you can't be trying to to turn people into you. I don't want to do that. But I want everybody to love Jesus. And that ought to be the goal of our lives. And and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, Mark, that's easier for you because you're a preacher. You're, you're you know, you're supposed to do that. People expect you to bring up Jesus. But why should it be different for Dave or different for me just because we happen to be ones who talk a whole lot on Sunday morning? If you're a follower of Jesus, you signed up for this. We're all in this together that we need to get the word out and we have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes to do that. 
Now, here's, here's the second quick thing. Build bridges rather than walls. I, I love this concept, this, this metaphor. I, I just talk about this a lot, that we build bridges rather than walls. You know why some people are so turned off to Christianity today? Because we can be jerks sometimes. Because we can be aggressive and we can be judgmental and we can get so wrapped up in our beliefs and beliefs are important that we get so wrapped up in being right that we win arguments and we don't win any people. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He doesn't say watch everybody else's lives and doctrine closely. He says watch yours. Make sure that you are walking the way you're supposed to walk, that your life is in step with your doctrine. It's not all about doctrine. Doctrine's important. Don't walk out of here saying Mark said doctrine's not important. It is. But we have to live consistently with that. We live out the gospel and that's how we can build bridges with people instead of building walls to keep them out. Years ago, a guy named Donald Miller wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. Now, to be honest with you, some people loved the book. Some people hated it. I was, I was a lover. It, it just really spoke to me. I didn't agree with everything in it, but I really, really liked it. And in the book, Miller wrote about a friend of his named Penny who was, had recently become a Christian. And she became a Christian because of her friend Nadine. Okay, and this is how Penny described her conversion. She said, the thing I loved about Nadine was that I never felt like she was selling anything. She would talk about God as if she had talked to him on the phone that morning. Penny said, some Christians I encountered felt like they had to sell God to me, like he was soap or a vacuum cleaner. They weren't really listening to me. They didn't care about me. They just wanted me to buy their product. But Nadine made me feel like, listen, she made me feel like if I met Jesus, he would like me. She said, I can't tell you how freeing that was to realize that if I met Jesus, he would like me. Oh, sure, I know there were people he loved and there were people that he got mad at, but I kept identifying with the people that he loved because they were all the broken people, the kind of people that were tired of life and that wanted to be done with it, the desperate people, the outcasts and the pagans. He seemed to really love them. And my friend Nadine convinced me that if Jesus met me, he would like me. It's about bridges, not walls. Jesus loves you just the way you are. You've you've heard this. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. You know, sometimes with people, we rush to the change part and we want to say, here's what you're doing wrong and here's what you need to do to straighten up. And we skip right over the part about how God loves you just the way you are. We get so concerned about the doctrine that we forget about the love. Again, I'm not saying doctrine's not important. But when we see people going the wrong way, we've got to build a bridge with them, not a wall. We're not trying to keep them out. We want to bring them in. You know, everybody has something going well in their lives. I mean, the Godfather had a strong sense of family. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Find something that you agree on with somebody and try to build on that. They're they're getting something right, surely. Build a bridge. Now, before we go to the third principle, let me just say this real quickly. I heard somebody say one time, there are some places we cannot go or we would be devoured. Now, what that means is you have to know yourself. You have to know your weaknesses. Building bridges is important, but don't put yourself in a situation that you can't handle. I love that some Christians go into really dark places to reach out to non-believers, but everybody can't go everywhere. 
Most recovering alcoholics I know cannot hang out with their friends down at the bar to try to bring them to Jesus. They just can't. We've got some really strong churches in Las Vegas. And I think that's awesome. But some pastors can't go there because there's so much temptation there. They just could not handle that. There are Christian organizations that go to pornography conventions and set up a booth to try to bring people out of that lifestyle. I could not do that because I know myself too well. That would not be a healthy place for me. I'm glad there are people who do that. But not everybody can go everywhere. We need to know our strengths. If you build a bridge but you drown in the process, that's not going to be a healthy outcome. Now, this doesn't have to be complicated. I received a birthday card years ago, and it said, In Jesus, your days ahead are greater than your days gone by. You know who sent that to me? My financial advisor. (laughs) He did not send it to me because I'm a Christian. He sent it to me because he's a Christian. And it was just a way to plant a seed, building bridges, sharing faith. Doesn't have to be complicated, but it does have to be intentional. We ought to be able to talk about Jesus, our walk with God, how he's made a difference in our lives, as casually as we talk about that great new series on Netflix. Or the UK Wildcats, which are a whole lot easier to talk about right now than the Cardinals. Or that 10-point buck that you saw out of your stand last month. All right, here's the third suggestion. If you want to plant some seeds, you need to share your life and then your story. Share your life and then your story. I've read a lot of books written by preachers. And sometimes they'll tell a story about leading a complete stranger to the Lord. Oh, it happened on an airplane. It happened in a checkout line. You know, it happened wherever on the golf course. And I don't doubt those stories. I just don't think they happen very often. I think usually our best seeds are sown with people that we know and love. That we invest in people who are far from God and we reach out to them. Maybe it's family and friends. Maybe it's neighbors, co-workers. Maybe it's that person who irritates the heck out of you at work. And they're not believers and you care about them because Jesus cares about them. It's the kind of thing that he did. And then when the time comes, the opportunity arises, maybe you have the courage to talk about the difference that God has made in your life. You know, I wonder if you're a Christ follower, have you ever told anybody how that happened in your life? My story is not very exciting. I was not a drug dealer, a cat burglar, or a hitman for a Mexican cartel. I just grew up in the church, and when I was seven years old, I gave my little heart to Jesus. And then, here I am. Now, my problem, especially in high school, I would say, is that I had the God piece of my life in church... And I had the family piece, and I had the dating piece, and I had the sports piece, and I could be a different person in every area. And so my conversion has been more about having, living under the sovereignty of God in every area of my life. I can tell my story in about 45 seconds, or I could spend three hours telling you about my life if you wanted to hear it. But the thing is, nobody cares at all unless you care about them. Okay, so 
Share your life, then your story. And then there's one more. Help people take a next step. Help people take a next step. There was an older man in the church where I used to preach up in Indiana. His name was Bill Lego. Bill Lego taught seventh grade boys Sunday school for 25 years. If that's not a free ticket to heaven, I don't know what is. This guy was a saint. And he told me one day that the only, there was only one boy in 25 years that he felt like he could not reach, that he just could not break through to. He did everything to try to build a bridge with Dave Burnett. But in the seventh grade, Dave Burnett was an angry young man. Not long before that, sitting at the kitchen table with his dad, his dad died of a heart attack right in front of him. He was mad at God. He was mad at the world. He hated life. He was an angry kid. And Bill Lego said to me, man, I tried everything and I could not get through to him. But, but man, Dave's mom drug him to church every Sunday. And he got stuck in Bill's Sunday school class every Sunday. Bill tried to love him. Bill tried to get through to him. Couldn't, couldn't make a dent. And the reason Bill told me that was that that month we had hired Dave Burnett to be our associate pastor at our church. Because see, Dave, somehow that little almost dead but not quite dead seed of faith began to grow. And he went to Bible college And then he went into ministry and then he joined our staff and he went on to lead in other places and his son interned under me a few years ago. And Bill felt like he could not break through and Dave says he's one of the ones that would not give up on me. You may not get to see somebody cross the line of faith but you can can help them take a step or two closer to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're going to go to heaven before anything happens in their lives. Or maybe that boy or that girl, that man or that woman is going to move away, go off to college, get a new job, whatever it is. And, and you didn't get to even see what turned out in their lives. But they took a step or two because of you. And you were one link in the chain and maybe it took a long time. See, we keep loving people. We keep reaching out to people. We keep planting seeds because you never know what God's going to do. And maybe they won't cross that finish line of faith for a long, long time. But we can be part of the process. Listen again to 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes seeds grow. And in this analogy, this metaphor, God doesn't grow what doesn't get planted because we have to plant if he's going to make it grow. You understand? And so the bottom line today is that God won't grow what doesn't get planted. In 2023, God's not going to grow what doesn't get planted. That puts pressure on us. It does. Because we want seeds to grow. I want to wrap up this this whole deal here with a story from my freshman year of Bible college. I could tell you a more recent story about me talking about faith, that kind of thing, but you would just so easily dismiss it. You'd say, well, of course, you're a preacher. You're trained. That's what you get paid to do. Of course, you talk to people about Jesus. So I want to take you way back to when I was 18 years old and I was not trained. And I was not being paid 
to talk to people about Jesus. I grew up at Oklahoma Christian Church in Louisville, and I was active in the youth group there, and there were two sisters in the youth group, Tammy and Melissa. I had a huge crush on Melissa, but that's not part of the story. And uh, anyway, man, Tammy and Melissa were such good friends of mine, and I loved their mom and dad, Ed and Imogene. Imogene was a faithful Christian. Ed was not a believer. And I would hang out with their family, and I just liked to go over there and see them, and I liked Ed, but he intimidated me because he was my friend's dad, and I was in high school. But I took a class my freshman year of Bible college. It was on personal evangelism. It was about sharing your faith. And one of the assignments during the semester was that we had to talk to three people about Jesus and about the importance of faith. And I talked to my cousin who was a few years younger. He was active in the church. He ended up getting baptized. That was pretty cool. I talked to somebody else, truthfully, I don't even remember who it was. But I felt like God was telling me that I needed to talk to Ed, my friend's dad. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That that scared me to death. I put it off throughout the semester. It's the last weekend home for me before Christmas break. It's now or never. If I want to get an A in the class, I got to talk to Ed. And I know it's not very spiritual. I'm just being honest with you. And so I went over to their house, and Ed had just gotten a new Jeep. I said, hey, Ed, would you take me for a ride? Or probably said, Mr. Emmett, would you take me for a ride in your Jeep? And so we take off in the Jeep, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, we're a few miles from home here. He's going to turn around any minute. I, I got to do this. It's dark, at least, you know, it's going to be easier. And, and I, man, I, I just wanted to throw up. And so I mustered up the courage to start and I said something about how much I liked his family and how I just really cared about them and how I knew he wasn't a Christian and you know, I thought he was a great guy and it was terrible. I mean, really, it was terrible. I didn't, I didn't quote any scripture. I didn't really tell him anything that he didn't already know. I didn't help him in any way. I didn't offer, you know, four steps to Jesus. I just stumbled around a little bit. And we got back, and, and I could hardly look him in the eye when we left that night. I, I just was embarrassed. A few, a few weeks later, my mom and dad called me at school. And they said, hey, guess what happened tonight at church? Ed gave his life to Christ and got baptized. And that blew my mind, but what really blew me away was a couple weeks later when I was home. And I was at church, and Ed pulled me aside. He said, I just want you to know, it was that talk in the Jeep. I just needed a little push. It doesn't get any better than that. And God taught me at 18 years old, man, you plant some seeds and they don't all grow. But sometimes they do. And it makes an eternal difference. What is 2023 going to be like for you? If you follow Christ, are you going to share that with anybody this year? And friends, if you don't, there is not a better way to start the year than to surrender to him today. God will not grow what doesn't get planted. And that's where we come in.
Let's pray. Father, we do love you. And those of us who have surrendered before you, Lord, we, we sense that it's only because you rescued us that we're saved. And we understand, God, that you are calling us to be part of this beautiful process that we can actually share what we have experienced in such a way that people can come to Jesus for themselves and that you will take that little seed and that you can make it grow. And so God, we give not just this day to you, but this year. And we surrender today before you again, saying just use us however we can be used. And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Listen, we're going to sing a last song here. And there's going to be decision counselors over here, my left, your right. If you need to talk to somebody about next steps, because every step toward Jesus is really, really important. Let's stand together and sing.
to hear that that wonderful challenge uh, for this year. Part of being able to thrive is being in God's Word. We've got so many opportunities on how you can be in God's Word this year. Two specific ones I want to mention real quickly is, ladies, uh, we are starting, or Kim is starting this week, a two-year walk through the Bible that you can get more information about. You can do a lot of it online, and you can, if you want to come in person, there's going to be some classes. But you can stop at the sign-up table back there. She's going to be back there and can get you hooked up with that. Ladies, if you want to get involved with a bunch of ladies from our church. And guys, we're not as organized as that, but I'm doing a continual read through the Bible with a bunch of guys through some apps or through some uh, plans on the YouVersion app. And if you don't know what that is or how to get to it, as soon as we're done, guys, if you want to be in our group and there's 60 some guys that already uh, linked in there, come see me with your smartphone. I'll set you up uh, really quick. And you can, we started today. How about that? January 1st, we started a new plan today. We're actually, guys, we're doing the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. There's 31 days in January. Figure it out, okay? So you need to get in today. Uh, So we're really glad uh, that you're here for that. And next week, next week we start a brand new series. It actually will be starting in Nelson Christian Church too. Uh, Mark and Jason and I are doing this together and writing this together. It's called Up to Us. It's going to look at the seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation. And unfortunately in that, in those churches, Jesus kind of through John shared some things that they didn't get right or they weren't getting right. And so our theory is we need to look at that, learn from that. And it's up to us not to make those same mistakes and to carry the torch in a better way and to make sure that we don't get a letter. That's what we want. We don't want a letter written to us, all right? And so it's up to us. So we want to encourage you to be here uh, next week for that. I'll be preaching next week and then Jason the following. We are also going to hear, not necessarily at Nelson, we're going to tie the first two weeks because it fits perfectly into step one of Pathways. And so the next two weeks as a part of this series, everybody here will get either the first time or the reminder of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a part of the church. And you will have done step one of Pathways and can sign the covenant, become a member just at the end of the week two. And then on the next Tuesday, January 17th, we'll have our full-blown Pathways and you can jump right in to step two and you'll have two of the three done halfway through this month. Pretty good deal, right? And so we really want to encourage you to do that. Last thing, last thing. We have been saying something around here for several years that I want to amend a little bit, okay? I want to amend a little bit because it is up to us to love God and to love people. But something God's been working on my heart and showing is that there's nothing I can do to change the world. God's going to change the world. So let's amend it. Let's get out of here. Let's go love God. Let's go love people and let's watch God change the world through us. Let's see you next week.